Hey folks, just a few quick words. This next podcast and the one after, I just want to caution you of the content that we are talking about. It is content that is not necessarily for the younger of us, meaning like our children, men, yes, women, yes, but our little ones. And I do understand that some of our folks listen to these podcasts with their children. So the little girl's voice that you'll hear after my voice, she's not going to hear this podcast. So just as a cautionary thing. All right. So here we go. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for tuning in with us today. If you are benefiting from these podcasts, uh, one, like and subscribe to the podcast. Also share it with someone else, um, especially anyone in your life that is dealing with any type of sexual sin or sin in general, um, which will be everybody. Uh, I would definitely recommend you uh, forward them this uh, podcast and some of the other ones. Today, we're going to be talking about passions of the heart with uh, uh, from uh, the Bible, first and foremost, but also from uh, a book written by Professor John Street. Um, I'm going to be talking with the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church, Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. Good. Good to have you, man. Always a blessing to be with you, brother. You, are, you are a huge blessing to me. Hey, man. Hey, you're a blessing to me too, man, especially with uh, you going through and doing all of these notes yeah. and uh, giving us the scripture and, and being a good shepherd and, and feeding his flock. So I'm, I'm selfishly doing it for my own heart. <laughs> you, and you guys just get to listen in. Good, good. Well, I'm glad we get to listen in. But uh, the book uh, that we are kind of uh, basing the, um, the, the Bible study off of is the Bible. And secondly, the Passions of the Heart by Dr. John Street. Uh, if you didn't listen to the first one in this series, please listen to that. And actually all of the Bible studies that we've done, they would be labeled passions of the heart. And this was just kind of like the midway point of the Bible study. So we're kind of talking through some things. Um, So you, you, we brought up something and I want to really kind of bring this out, Matt. Uh, The the third chapter is named heart idolatry and sexual enslavement. Mm-hmm. Um, what does, if anything, heart idolatry, what is heart idolatry? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. What mm-hmm. is heart idolatry? Mm-hmm. So anything, anything at all that takes the place of God is an idol, right? Okay. Anything, uh, any desire, any uh, act, any thought, any passion, you can put whatever label you want on it. Anything, anything that becomes... Uh, more important to you than than God is by its very definition um, an idol, meaning you are no longer worshiping God as foremost, you're worshiping whatever. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you're worshiping is because it's taking first and for- foremost place in your mind, mm-hmm. in your thought life, in your in your pursuits, right? It could be a car, it could be a job, it could be a, it could be a, you know a person of the opposite sex, it could be a person of the same sex, it could be anything, mm-hmm. right? It could be even uh, a desire for more children, it could be a desire for marriage, it can be. We can turn anything. This is again going back to the nature of our hearts. We are so deceptive. We are so our hearts are so complex. Our hearts are so. Uh, um, filled with trickery, we can turn anything good or bad into an idol. We are commanded by God. We have been created by God, Matthew 22, to worship the Lord our God first and foremost. 
to have no other gods before him, Exodus 20, right? Mm -hmm. That is the premier and prominent command and reason why we were created. And Matthew 20, 22 is really clear, 37 to 40, that we are to worship the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We are to love him above all else. Anything that takes the place of that has become an idol. Now, that reality begins always in the heart before it ever comes out in the life into some practical thing. It's always a thought. It's always a pursuit. It's always a passion in the heart. And that's what we mean by heart idolatry. Mm -hmm. That pursuit, that thought, that passion, that dream, that love that takes the place of God as foremost. God should be foremost. Doesn't mean we can't have passions and dreams and loves and hobbies and things. Of course we can, mm -hmm. right? And the Bible talks about that. James 1.18, we've been given everything by God for what? For enjoyment, mm -hmm. right? To, to every good gift comes down from the Father. Mm -hmm. But when we turn those good gifts or bad gifts to where we no longer are using them as a as a point of worshiping God more and giving Him glory, but rather worshiping ourselves and trying to bring glory and pleasure to ourselves. That's 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 that at its most basic level is heart idolatry. Okay, so um, as far as the heart is concerned, uh, in in this whole like title, yeah, um, the heart would be the as you described it in, in the in the Bible study, the control center. Yeah, the heart the heart is we're not talking about the uh very strong muscle inside your chest cavity mm -hmm. that's beating right now. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the 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 core of who you are. Mm -hmm. And the Bible uses the the term heart all the time, uh speaking almost almost exclusively for that reality. Your heart is who you are. Your heart is what is where your thoughts come from. Your heart is what uh, purposes, directs, guides, leads your life. Your heart is who you are. And so, uh, I have a question for you then, mm -hmm. because uh, is the is well, David talked yeah. about the soul. Yeah. Is the heart and the soul are they the same, or is it? You know, I think uh, you can't I'm, you can't separate the heart and the soul. Right. Okay. Right. They they are not the same thing. Um, but so you can't separate them in the sense of uh, the heart of the person and the soul in the person, they go together, mm -hmm. right? But they are, but they are dif differentiated in Scripture in that uh, the soul uh, of the person will live on forever and the heart of the person will. And so you ha there is a common connection there, mm -hmm. but uh, it's best to see them um, as, as distinct, right? right? And, uh, but you can't have one without the other. Right. And so it's not like when you die, your heart stops, even mm -hmm. though your physical muscle stops beating. It's like your mind. Right. It's, right. The scripture will often uh, sometimes use it will sometimes use mind and heart interchangeably mm -hmm. because why? Because the heart thinks. Mm -hmm. Right. But oftentimes it will use it. It will use it distinctively and to where the heart the heart purposes and the mind is thinking and so they go together mm -hmm. and of course uh, we know for a fact that that our hearts are directed in a biblical way through the mind that's how we direct our hearts that's how we uh, shape our hearts that's how we lead our hearts is by what filling our minds with scripture mm -hmm. right and that's Romans 12 and right. the recalibrating of our minds which directly impacts our hearts mm -hmm. and so there is a distinction there right but uh, as man goes on into eternity, right? He goes on with his mind, his thoughts, and his heart, and his soul. And so, yes, they're all part of who you are mm -hmm. in your makeup. But when the Bible's talking about the heart, it's talking about the core, mm -hmm. right? And so, yes, you could say that it's the same as the soul, but it's more than that, 
Gotcha. Right? Is that yeah. is that clear? Yeah, we yeah. gotta talk about that a little bit more because uh, that that was something that I've always wondered about. And yeah, I would imagine people so, that that would read like the Book of Psalms, and yeah. I, I think of how David talks about you know, yeah, uh, my soul, you know, magnifies yep. the Lord, and yep. you know, all that stuff. And so. he's talking about his whole being. Oftentimes, okay. he's talking about all that I am. Mm-hmm. Right, magnifies you, and uh, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple different uh, words that are used there for soul. Mm-hmm. And 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 a couple that are used for heart, yeah. And so it depends on the context, and you got to look at it and figure out which is being used, and is it you know what it's what is it speaking of? Mm-hmm. And the the second part of the the title is sexual enslavement. Mm-hmm. So uh, you 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 kind of just kind of brushed over the two types of uh, slaves, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the last podcast, um, as far as the sexual enslavement. You know what would that kind of look like? Yeah, is that like the guy who is going to a meeting because he is you know addicted to uh, some type of sex or you know yeah. like uh, you know pornography or anything like that? Or sexual enslavement is different than sexual temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man who is sexually tempted is a man that will uh, sin, uh, but he has not quit fighting that sin. Mm-hmm. He keeps fighting it. He keeps he may be losing. Right in that immediate battle of with his flesh, as Galatians five talks about, but um, but he has not given up the fight. That's a that's a sexually tempted man that is losing that temptation. The cravings are getting greater than his resistance to it. Right, mm-hmm. so that's that battle where the craving is great, his resistance is there, but the cravings are starting to overtake his resistance, and in he sins. Um, but the sexually enslaved man mm-hmm. is the man that the cravings are so great now in his heart, meaning the passion of his heart has been fed so many times through sin, through his thought life, through his actual steps, mm-hmm. that he no longer has resistance to it. He's no longer fighting it. He just gives in to it. Gotcha. Right? And oftentimes, not even uh, he'll give into it with a sense of sobriety and sadness because he doesn't. You know, he doesn't uh, in his in his as a believer. Right. We're talking believers now. He he, he wants to be out of this, but he sees no way out. Mm-hmm. And so he just he just commits himself to this and says, well, this is just what what I'm going to do. This is just who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's clear, clearly willfully sinning. So I'm not at all. I don't want to make it sound like the guy is not held responsible. He's always resp- We are always responsible for our sin. But in that enslavement sense, he sees no way out. So he just thinks this is just what I have to do. I think any psychologist would disagree with what you just said. Yeah, well, that's why we're talking about <laughs> biblical counseling, right? <laughs> right, right. And uh, but the reality is that's 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 when you've reached the point of he's breaking my mic. Yeah, that's just again that, yeah. guest under guest <laughs> guest in training, and and that's why uh, that's where sexual enslavement then begins. Mm. When you stop fighting, you you kind of give up, and now you're enslaved. I don't like the term, and I think Doctor Street even talks about it some. And I remember him in class talking about this. The whole idea of addictions is not biblical. Mm-hmm. The idea of enslavement is. That's a biblical term. Mm-hmm. Um, addictions is really not. That's a psychology term. Yeah. Because, again, what does what does the term addiction do? It takes the problem off of you. Mm-hmm. It puts it onto something, something. On the substance. On the substance, right. on the culture, on mm-hmm. the environment. It takes it away from you. Mm-hmm. Enslavement, not so much. Yeah, it's it, kind of like because there is 
it's because pornography and I'll just make this up, this sentence up yeah. because pornography is so much in our culture because it is so, uh, accessible. Yeah. Uh, one can easily get addicted. Yeah. That would be like a, a sentence from what they would totally. say totally. instead of, yeah. you know, because your own desire in your heart is so strong yes. and your resistance has gone way down and you're, you stop fighting. Yeah. That's, yeah. Be, that's why you're enslaved. The culture is wicked. The, this, this, the temptation to sexually sin will be everywhere. It's only going to get worse, mm-hmm. but that will never be the cause. Yeah. All that is, is the, is a catalyst, mm-hmm. right? To the cause, which is your heart, mm-hmm. meaning it's, it's a accelerant. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fire, I use the analogy quite often of the pilot light, right? Mm-hmm. The pilot light is burning in your heart. All yeah. it needs is some gas mm-hmm. to combust. And so that gas is fed by the culture often, mm-hmm. but it doesn't need to be, right? Yeah. You can take out both your eyes and still lust <laughs> after a woman, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's what Jesus talked about mm-hmm. very clearly in uh, Matthew 7. And so, uh, so the issue, of course, is the heart mm-hmm. and uh, not the culture not the environment. It's not Satan. It's none of those things. It's our heart. Ultimately, the enemy is us. Yeah. So in the book on page 67, uh, there's an illustration. Whereas I I love illustrations because that kind of gives, you know, that's how I think. I think in pictures, I think in, you know, I was, I was, going through training at work and taking notes and I was literally making a flow chart. I love it. That's how I think. And, uh, so this, this, this chart actually is really, really good. If you don't have the book, I'll just kind of explain what it looks like. So, uh, on the side, uh, you have, uh, on the left side, you have low, uh, and then you have high and in the middle it's strength. So the strength has two arrows pointing both ways. And then, uh, at the very top, you have resistance. So, uh, on one, on the left side of the chart, your resistance is very high on the right side of your chart. The resistance is very low where your resistance is very low. Your craving is at its peak. So it's kind of like two peaks coming together on, onto the one side. And that's where the bondage comes in. So, you know, that is exactly, you know, what we've been explaining, but in a, uh, in a chart basically yep, because pictorial form. Yeah. Pictorial form. Cause that's what happens is your resistance goes way down. Then your cravings go way high. And, um, that's where the bondage comes in and you lose hope. That's you the lose big, hope. that's the biggest thing about enslavement and why that term is so helpful. The forced labor is without hope. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've ever counseled in this, that is a common denominator mm-hmm. there that, you know, and again, they're, they come to counseling because again, that's a, it's, it's even that is a is a is very well could be a mark of a believer because they're wanting to fight it, mm-hmm. but they don't know what to do. Yeah, and uh, and that's part of that enslavement. So uh, yeah, so in the book, one of the quotes that I underlined is actually is actually a footnote, but I still uh, highlighted it. Kent Hughes captures this is on page sixty five. Kent Hughes captures his in this instance well when he writes about how this sin was conceived in David's heart. He looked, he, his look became a sinful stare and then a burning libidious, libid, lib, 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 okay. You, can you tell me what where, that word is? I, I don't know where you're. It's page 65 at the very bottom, the uh, small letters. His book, his, I mean, his look became a sinful stare and then a burning. Yeah. Libidious yeah. sweat, leer, sweaty leer. Yeah. In that moment, David, who had been a man after God's own heart, became a dirty, leering man. Mm -hmm. A lustful fixation came over him that would not be denied. Mm 
Yeah. And that is the result of That's a good book. how you were talking about um it's fall. Yeah, his his kind of, you know, like gradual yep. just just downfall and his resistance is getting lighter and lighter. He compromised. Absolutely. In in so many ways and then he got to that point uh and we're talking about King David. Um, another thing I underline is the human heart is rugged, full of stubborn crevices and caves carved out by years of sinful habits and practices. Mm-hmm. A good counselor is like the special forces soldier who knows how to use his deadliest weapon, God's word, to make a surgical strike on the heart. He's well trained in the covert operations of the enemy and understands his elusive techniques. Mm-hmm. And um, for, for me, the biggest thing was uh, hearing over over and over again uh how bad my heart was and how deceitful my heart is yeah because from you know being you know coming up in church all these years all i could hear people saying is that you know you should follow your heart yeah you should understand your heart and you should follow your heart and you know they would skip all the other (laughs) psalms and you know go to the one that says give me a clean heart and that i might not sin against you like i understand that but my understanding was is that my heart was already pretty good. Yeah. You know, I was a pretty good and and then the the I asked Jesus into my heart. So it it's definitely better now, mm-hmm. you know. So um That's that psychology again. Remember? <laughs> yeah. That's that that's we have been so psychologized in the church more than we even want to admit. Mm-hmm. Now some churches gladly embrace it and they wouldn't deny it, but most churches would say, no, we don't have any of that. And yet it doesn't take five minutes talking to somebody and you can tell mm-hmm. right away. And that's, a, that's so common. That's most churches, mm-hmm. uh, have a very high view of man and the Bible has a very humble view of man mm-hmm. and, uh, you can't fight sin. You'll never grow as a believer until you're humbled in your view of man. Mm-hmm. And when you are, then you can begin to be built up and grow in your understanding and, you know, Galatians five is very clear, is crystal clear, even as believers, right? That's the that'll show you the depth of depravity of the heart, which is the core of man, which is total depravity. If the heart if the heart is desperately sick, as Jeremiah seventeen nine says, without question, then the whole of man is, right? If mm-hmm. your core is is defiled and sick, then everything is. And the Bible's crystal clear about that. But imagine this in the gospel you get a new heart. Hmm. Right. I mean, that's the new covenant. That's mm-hmm. Jeremiah 31. That's, you know, Ezekiel 33. I mean, you've been given a new heart and which is speaks what? Just like the heart desires, passions, dreams, pursuits, thoughts. And that's what we get in the gospel. And uh, that's where that reality then even becomes greater when you think, yeah, you've been given a new heart. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a redeemed man who's still right, by God's grace in the gospel has been given a love for God. That's the only reason you love him. That's the only reason we're doing this podcast is because the gospel is at work in your life mm-hmm. because you have that desire. And yet still within your innate fallen nature is that old man. Even though he's been killed, he's been crucified, Romans 6, yet as Galatians 5 says so clearly, right, the desires of the flesh are strong. Mm-hmm. That old way is that Paul calls it in Romans 8, the body of death. And Paul envisions it like a corpse because he's died. He's died in the gospel. We've died with Christ. The old man is dead. He has no power over us. Mm -hmm. He has no strength over us. But we constantly, like the muscle memory I referred to, cutting the head off the snake, we constantly keep going back 
to that old way. And Paul describes it in Romans 8 like we're carrying around this corpse. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a really good illustration because you can imagine what it would be like to carry around a corpse all your life. And that's mm-hmm. what it's like. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly treating this corpse like, as if it has power over us, dominion over us. And it doesn't. But we keep going back, and that's why the language in Scripture is so clear. Do not go back to the old way. Stop giving the flesh its desires. Do not do that. Do not do that. And it's so it's so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, that even shows you how bad it is. Now, for the unbeliever, imagine there's no hope because yeah. they don't have the new desire. Mm-hmm. They don't have a clear understanding, as, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, they've been blinded by Satan, and they're totally enslaved, spellbound, uh, as uh, Ephesians one one to th- or Ephesians two one to three says, so yeah, something that is really uh, I think compelling, convicting, and uh, uh, foundational to this fighting sexual sin at the core level is understanding the inseparable link between idolatry and sexuality, sexual sin, sexual immorality. When you study Scripture, this comes up all the time Mm -hmm. this inseparable link that idolatry always always leads to sexual immorality Mm -hmm. wherever you see idolatry in scripture sooner or later immorality comes up it it it, it's like they go hand in hand and and the reason for that is because the heart of man is the same Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't matter if it was three thousand years ago or four thousand years ago in the old testament and they're actually worshiping a golden calf in exodus 32 or whether it's in two thousand years ago in this in the church at corinth or whether it's today when those idols whether it's an idol of the heart or an idol of the of the statue whatever it is it will always eventually lead to immorality. And that is, that is amazing when you start to see that because that's, that's our life. So if you go backwards and you see the lives that we see in our world and even people we know who are just infested with immorality, you can rest assured it's flowing out of a heart of idolatry. Hmm. And that helps you begin to fight it because what we tend to do is try to cover or cleanse the immorality without killing the idolatry. And if you don't kill the idolatry, it's going to manifest. It may manifest next time in a different form of sin. So it may not be immorality. It may be it may be anger. It may be uh, contr- control. It may be uh, um, a, a form of pride. It can come up in all kinds of ways. But that reality of idolatry and immorality is is crystal clear mm-hmm. in Scripture. And that is so helpful because then you see, okay, that's at the, it's the idol that is the core. It's what feeds it. And so if I cut the head off the snake, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to be cut. Yeah. So we need to, we need to talk about that a little bit more. And, yeah. And, and, and dig it's into huge. that really, it's huge. really deep. Um, and the Bible says a lot about it. Yeah. So Though we don't talk about we that don't. We don't. very much. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about sexual sin, it's always... It's always about the sin mm-hmm. rather than really the cause of it, which yeah. is the idol of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening to the Truth Talks podcast. We're going to uh, transition really quickly and give the gospel uh, uh, message. But uh, I want you to give it kind of a different little turn okay. and really talk to the man that is struggling with a few things yeah. and kind of help him to understand what the gospel is for him. Yeah, absolutely. So the gospel is, in in one word, hope, 
right? The man struggling with sexual sin, and honestly, in his heart, if he's even listening to this, it is because he longs for hope, right? He lost hope. He knows and he sees that he's out of control, and the gospel is the freedom that he longs for. And I would just say to any man that's listening, if you are in that place, understand that the only place you will find hope is in the gospel. Any other thing you look to, any other source of strength you're going to go to will fail you. It will ultimately end right back where you started in hopelessness. But if you turn to Jesus Christ and the gospel, you will find lasting hope. Why? Because the problem is your heart. And in the gospel, you'll get a new heart. In the gospel, you'll get a cleansed heart. In the gospel, you'll get power. And 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 the sin that has dominion over you now will be shattered, will be broken. And you'll have the strength to fight for the glory of God. Fight against this sin. Because the scripture is clear. In the gospel, we are set free. Even though we struggle with sin, we need to live, as Romans 6 says, in the light of who we are in Christ. So the gospel is recognizing your sin, recognizing that you have rebelled against God. God is a holy God. You are sinful. You know that to be true. And therefore, the gospel, God brings us the good news that even though we have rebelled against him, he has brought his son to set us free. And he did that through dying on a cross, being raised from the dead, and he, and he commands everyone to repent and believe. And if they will, he will give them a new heart. He will give them a new desire, a new passion. He will give them a new uh, direction in life that is for his glory and their good, and we will have eternity in heaven, forgiven for our sins, never to deal with this again one day in glory, and that's going to be a great day. I was trying to get you to go a certain way with the gospel, and you went right there. There is hope. Absolutely. And, you know, that hope is not within us, thankfully, because it wouldn't be hope. And the Bible always uses hope as confident expectation of future fulfillment, not as possibility, probability, or potentiality. It's always guaranteed. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Truth Talks podcast. I hope you all like it and subscribe as well. Take care. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.